Leather, Cigars, and Kink is an adults-only podcast, so if you're under 18, find something else to do. Hey folks, welcome to episode 5 of Leather, Cigars, and Kink. I'm Ivar, your host, and yeah, pretty much everything else here, at least until I get to the interviews. So, this week I, I've been thinking a lot about consent and negotiation. Part of that is because I'm in the middle of a very serious negotiation, and uh, part of that is just because everything's opening up, and I think we all need a refresher. So, we're going to talk about this. I should probably mention, I do have a class on this, and I am happy to present this wherever I can. Matter of fact, I'm going to be doing so for the Portland Leather Alliance in August. Don't have the dates yet for that, but uh, it is coming up. So, let's just jump in here. First and foremost, I mean, you know, what it is we do is absolutely predicated on, on consent. Uh, without consent... What we do is is not, I mean, without consent, it's just abuse, right? So, what is consent, I guess, is, is probably what I should dig into. For me, and I realize that, that there, are other, there are other views on this and other definitions, but to me, consent is an enthusiastic yes. Consent is participatory from all the parties involved um, and actively participatory. It's probably easier to say what consent isn't. To me, consent is not an okay, because that, that's, that's too, it, it's not enthusiastic, I guess. I mean, I, I'm, I'm running out of adjectives lately. An enthusiastic yes is, is something that all parties involved are, are totally on board for and want, as opposed to will accept or, or something like that. And of course, when I do my class, there's, there's always, there's always a, a good debate as to what consent is. And I, I learn more each time I, I do the class. So uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing that in person again. So consent is, is the key to any negotiation. Without consent, it's not a negotiation. It's, it's almost a, a hostage situation. Let's assume... Uh, once we, we're going into consent, we're going into in the negotiation, because folks that are new, even folks, of those of us who have been around for a long time, with things reopening and having been, you know, off for a year, our negotiation skills probably suck just a little bit, and, and we all need a refresher. I know I do. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, of a negotiation, and yes, it, it, I definitely needed a refresher before I, I got started, but, you know. Things happen. Anyway, so negotiation in, in, in the kink world, really, uh, there, there's two kinds of negotiation. There's the play negotiation, which could be for, you know, pickup play, or it could be for something, for an ongoing play partnership. The other is a relationship negotiation, which is, you know, that can be either for ongoing SM play that could be for DS or MS relationships. It, you know, any, any number of things there, but the two are somewhat different. So we'll, let, let me just talk about uh, negotiating for play first and foremost. That's probably the one that most of us are going to be running into right off the bat. Now that, you know, we can actually go out to play parties and such. My recommendations, and this is, this is just me. Uh, when when you find somebody that you would like to to have a scene with, we're just going to use that as as the example here. You find that person, and you first you 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 need to find out. You know, do your kinks match? I like to say start with with, with both of you having a hell yes list. Uh, what that means is is the things that you are absolutely totally into and you absolutely totally want. 
and I say two, I assume top bottom, but you know there there's so many other. We're going to you you use the the duality here because it's much simpler to to get across without you know lots more uh, participation. So you 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 take your two hell yes lists and uh, you know you compare them. Where do you match? Where do you not match? What do you like? What do you, what, what do you both like? What do you both dislike? And then once you once you found a few things where 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 they they match, you can actually start discussing. Are you willing to do this with this person? Is this something that you're both interested in doing right now? Basically, you need to, at that point, find a safety or, or comfort zone so that you can, you can both feel good about what you're about to do and whether or not you, you actually do it. That's, that's the real question because once you've found that zone, you want to talk that out and make sure that your definitions for things are the same, or at least can match. Because, for, for example, my definition of spanking is, is going to be different than yours. And it's going to be different than that person over there, or whatever. Just because, you know, what, what we think of as common activities, yeah, we may have the basics in common, but the experience is going to be different from person to person. So you want to talk about what does spanking mean? Is that simply just slaps on the ass? Or is that going to be, you know, is this going to be something heavy, light, over the knee, not? You know, what? There's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of other questions that you really have to ask about that so that you can find common ground. A big one is is flogging. People talk about flogging, and you know, oh well, it's it's just flogging, but it's not. So many of us, you know, it can go so many different ways. You know, are they talking about using like a a light cowhide flogger, or are we talking about elk? You know, with with three foot falls and and you know something that's gonna gonna be so thuddy that it can break bones if you're not careful. You know, there, there's you got to make sure that everybody is on board and everybody's definitions mesh. If for no other reason, just to make sure that, uh, you know, there's no surprises. That's what negotiation is about. It's, it's about gaining consent and informed consent so that we all know what we're talking about. Now, once you've made your definitions, once, you, once you've found that common ground and you're, you're able to, to find a comfort zone, I'm sitting here waving my hands like you can you can actually see what I'm doing. You want to start small. I don't care if you've been doing this for a hundred years. If you're if you're starting out with a new partner, start small. So when when I say start small, I mean don't don't go all out. Don't don't just uh, and this is this is kind of aimed at at you tops out there of whatever flavor. Don't you know. Don't swing for the bleachers with your with your first shot. Start light, build up, ramp up, find out is this you know, is this good, is this too light, is this too hard? You want to work through it so that you can you can both find a kind of comfortable place where you can play. You can always build up, but if you start too hard, you may not be able to come back from that. That that you know, you might get an instant red and, and end the scene right there. The other thing is, once you've reached, once you've gotten to the point where you're going to play, don't forget to do check-ins. Check-ins are, are very important. You know, make sure that, you know, it was that okay? Is this too much? Is this not enough? Do I need to, do I need to adjust? What, find those things. One of the things I, I tell a lot of folks when, when I'm, I'm teaching is stay in the lines when you first start, and that kind of holds true with anything you know once you've built build a, a little box and stay inside that box and then later on you can expand it once you've learned your boundaries and all that you can always expand you can you can push those 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 limits later on assuming everyone is okay with pushing those limits if that makes sense I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, you're probably in the wrong subculture, to be honest. 
No, that's I mean that that's negotiating play, and there there's there's a lot I'm leaving out there, just because I don't want to spend the next forty five minutes talking about this and just boring crap out of you. For pickup play, I mean it's it's pretty simple. Talk to someone, of course, know whether or not they're they're in a relationship. That that's those are important things to find out first. For you for you new new folks on the on the left side of the slash. You know, if they're collared, find out what that means to them. If that means you need to go talk to their their dominant or or someone, do that. Don't be a rude asshat. Yeah, just pisses me off watching people disrespect collars. And beyond beyond that, uh, obviously, once you once you've determined that it's okay to talk to them, and and they're willing to talk to you. And by the way, if someone Watch body language. Watch, uh, watch the, for those those nonverbal cues that someone is really uncomfortable with you, so you don't keep pushing it. And if you, again, aimed at tops mostly, but this is for everybody. Learn how to accept a no graciously. No is not a. It's not anything on you. It's them setting a boundary. Accept it. Move on. Go away. Don't keep trying until you get a yes, because that, no matter what you're doing, that will never be consensual. Yeah, there's lots more I should probably say there, but I, I'm I'm gonna move on just so we can keep going. Um, so for DS relationships, that that's that's a whole different kind of negotiation because you've really you've really got to dig in on that. Let's assume you and a play partner want to start a deeper relationship and explore dominance and submission. So. First off, sit down and find out what each of you define those terms as and how you want to accept the other's offering because we all have we all have different definitions of that. I mean, I can only speak for me and from my experience, but for me, when I say I I want a submissive, I want somebody who is going to be bright and thoughtful and independent who is willing to give submission to me not someone i have to take it from or or worse yet someone that i i have to program into it maybe that that makes me a you know people would i'm sure there's people out there would call that you know weak dominance but quite frankly if if someone isn't strong to begin with that submission doesn't feel like it's like it's being given like it feels like it's being taken you know someone i have to have to program and i've i've run into that before if i literally have to you know basically write a write, write a script so that they can they can work through their day that's not submission to me that's that's just abdicating responsibility so anyway what 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 i was getting at originally and i got got way off topic there is find out what each of you view dominance and submission as so that you can you, you you can find that common ground again so that you know what to expect from the other and once you've defined that if your definitions match then move ahead with your negotiation so let's let's assume that you've you've done that you've you've made your connection you know what you expect from what you each expect from the other and you're you're setting down the ground rules you're setting down your protocols first and foremost this is mostly for the new folks out there, but, you know, some of us old-timers need reminders from time to time, too. Don't go overboard. Whether you're doing a written contract or you're, you're just setting out a list of rules or whatever, just start with a few simple protocols. You can get more complex later, but, you know, setting out nine pages of rules or what have you is only going to lead to heartbreak because you're setting, you're setting both parties up to completely fail. Most people, and again, I this is this is totally apocryphal. I, I I I can't give you any hard data on this right now. I haven't really researched it lately. But in general, most people are going to re- remember maybe a single page of a protocol or 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 a single page of rules. And I'm not talking like, you know, a 6-point font and and half-spaced and all that. No. 
you know, people are going to going to remember 10 to 15 rules in general. Over time, you know, with practice, you can make that larger. But typically, that's about all you're going to get. So don't go crazy with it. In this negotiation that I'm I'm in, we've started out with with very few, actually very very few protocols, but they work right now. Uh, they they they're a great way to start, and it's a good way of finding out, you know, how we're gonna how we're gonna work together uh, to see if if this can even work. Anyway, I, I'm not gonna go into those. I'll go into those in a, in another episode, maybe. So. Start with, with a few simple protocols. One of the ones that I, I really like is a boot ritual, wherein my, my partner, when I enter, enter, enter the space where we're, we're going to be, they remove my boots, and when we're leaving, or when I'm leaving, they, they uh, put my boots back on. It's a very simple protocol, but it really helps put both parties into, into a headspace. And once you've got your protocols in place and you're you're you know you're starting to work things out, don't forget to do ongoing negotiation. This is a big one for me, uh, and realistically, uh, those those DS relationships that I've seen that are very workable that that those DS relationships that I've seen that have lasted tend to have an ongoing negotiation. You 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 check in. Once a month, once every every couple of months, something to see what's going right and what's not. And obviously, you can check in more or less. And but you want to be able to 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 go back to you know if you're you're a contract person, you want to be able to go back to the contract. If you're just if it's if it's just a verbal thing, if it's just that, you still want to be able to go back and change things from time to time. Get rid of the things that don't work. Add things that do, or increase. Find those things that do work and just increase their frequency. It's important to be able to, you know, cut the dead wood out. And it's also important to be able to recognize that something is working really well and maybe you want more of that. And that's, I recommend that to anybody. Keep going back. You know, even if you're in a, in a TPE, total power exchange relationship, there's, there's space for you to go through and renegotiate from time to time. At least find what's going to work, because regardless of the fantasy, we're all human. We're, we're people. And if you can't recognize one another as, as, as people, as individuals, as humans, I'm not going to say that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I know that there's some people out there that it works for, but I've never seen it work for long. And... I've seen it really not work a lot, so just be mindful of that. Anyway, that's my two bits today. I know I kind of rambled on and on, but you get what you get here. So I'm just going to launch into today's cigar review. Uh, This is a very special one. I saved it just because of my guest. This would be uh, Mystic Morningstar's, one of their favorites. So I'm reviewing the Deadwood Fat Bottom Betty. And, um, well, to you fans out there uh, uh, of this, I I apologize in advance. I tried very hard to be as as objective as I could, but all in all, I really, really, really hate this cigar. It's a really pretty cigar. The construction is good. It looks good. The the wrapper is, is, is great. It's got a really pretty band. It does have a footer band, and I, I really don't like those. But the closed foot, that was that's really cool. I like that. It was a tight roll, but it wasn't wasn't too tightly rolled. It, you know, it still had a decent draw. It's got the the typical Maduro kind of barnyardy scent to it when 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 you first uh, when you first pick it up on the initial light. It's kind of a mild to a medium to me. But that's that. That could just be because I'm used to smoking really, really strong cigars. So you know, take that as you will. But honestly, when I lit it, I couldn't taste a damn thing but that sugared tip. I really dislike sweetened tips. Not gonna lie. And 
well, this one really hangs on. You know, in the first third, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm really trying to get past the sweetness. There may have been hints of cocoa and cedar in there, but it's really hard to tell because that sugar is just so unbelievably overwhelming. As I got down, getting towards the, 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 the middle, got little hints of molasses, maybe. It was an even burn. The aroma is really good. It's got a got a, a nice, pleasant, maybe a little bit of cocoa and, and, and like, I don't know, cardamom and cinnamon kind of scent. The, the, the aroma itself. Taste towards the center. You're still getting cocoa and cedar and, and a little bit of sassafras, maybe. But I, I still... It was so hard, I, I could not get past the sugar. Matter of fact, one of my notes here, it's like the stick was aged in simple syrup. Painful. Oh, yes. And, and another one, I, you know, it's like smoking diabetes. It is just so ungodly sweet. Once you get through, you're getting down past the middle of the, of the cigar. It mellows out. It's a mild smoke. But that sugar, and I, I, and I know I'm harping on it, but damn. You know, one, once you're past the, the, the middle and you're getting down towards the final third, you're still getting a little bit of cocoa from it, but there's really not any, anything else. It's really, really becoming really one note. Into the final third of the cigar, you know, past where the band was, you still, you, you, you get a little bit of cedar returning, but, I mean, that sugar is, is, is relentless. It's just beating you over the head with it. It finished incredibly one note for me. It's not a stick I would recommend. I mean, you know, I joke that I would rather smoke a Swisher Sweet, which is not necessarily true. But, I mean, given the choice between the two, I'd rather lick the lighter. You know, it it might be a good good stick for for first-time smokers. You know, people that are, especially if people are coming over from, like, you know, cigarettes or something. Maybe you could coax them in that way, but otherwise, man, I, I just, I cannot recommend this thing. Sweetened tips just just ruin it for me. They're, it, it, it destroys the experience. So take that as you will. Morningstar, my apologies for attacking your, 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 your favorite stick. We all have different things. I get that. This one, just for me, is... I just can't take it. Matter of fact, that hopefully will be the last one of those I ever smoke. Anyway, hope everybody has a, a great afternoon. Uh, join me back after the break for my interview with Mischief Morningstar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today I'm joined by Mischief Morningstar, as Fred Vine, and uh, all-around weirdo. So um, <laughs> let's just jump right into this. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. A little bit about myself. Yeah. Ooh. I I have such a hard time talking about myself, Ivar. You know this. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> so a little bit about me. I am a professional switch. I have been doing so for a little over a year now, and before that, I have been a lifestyle kinkster. I am in a contracted power exchange and have been for going on two years now, and I'm also a burlesque dancer, a drag king. Oh, geez, what what else? (laughs) I think that sums it up nicely to start. Cool. So let's let's just start. There's lots to go from from there. Um, <laughs> so what's with the name? What's with the name? Mischief Morningstar. Well, it began with just Morningstar because I'm a branding nerd. I love marketing. I have loved marketing for a very long time. And so what I wanted was a name that was both accessible to the everyday person 
and also gave those glimmers of playfulness and pranksterness and general mischievousness that are very much associated with my style of kink. And so I went with Morningstar, the devil. (laughs) But she's a very cheeky devil. Like, and it's all kind of a prompt to try to start this conversation off a little easier almost with, I'm big into advocacy and being very shameless and open about what I do professionally and who I talk to. I've told my mom and my Nana about this, like I am open. And so Morningstar and the concept of this cheeky devil, this Satan, as this rebellious creature that is also starts this conversation in a way that we're meeting on even ground was the basic reason I chose it. Plus it's pretty and it gives me an excuse to wear a lot of red. (laughs) (laughs) I get to wear those cool demon-y contacts. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. So pro switch. Oh, sorry. Mischief I just earned by um, reputation. Ah, well. (laughs) Pro switch. Anybody that spends five five minutes with you knows that. So, yeah, tell me about that. Ooh, well, it was a interesting and tumbling chaotic journey to get here. That's the only way I get anywhere in life is through chaos and sheer force of will through battling through that chaos. No, it began, it actually instantly started with an idea to make wax play candles. <laughs> okay. And this is just how this gets going, right? is I thought, you know, I'm really good at making things and I'm loving this kink thing. I hadn't been involved in it lifestyle-wise for about two years. And I was like, I really want to get involved. I want to sell things. I want to make things. I can make wax play candles. And I was like, ooh, what other things that I love about this can I monetize? (laughs) (laughs) Not that that's all that I think about, but, you know, survival is important and we all have a side hustle. And at the time, I was a businesswoman working procurement (laughs) me in a business suit daily um procurement to pro switch mm, yes and so i was exploring this i started taking classes in kink and really just like accelerating my knowledge gaining base and as i did that i came into contact with subrosa and they are a a boutique femme-owned kink space here in town and they offer classes in various types of like femdom boot camp and all kinds of like ways to approach a feminine dominant. And so I started taking classes with them. I was like, oh, this is so cool. You know, this sounds a lot like the job I'm doing now, <laughs> <laughs> but with cooler costumes. And I love costumes, in particular leather ones. Okay. And so I was like, ooh, I can negotiate, I can do this power exchange thing (laughs) i'm a martial artist so the idea of getting to hit people uh was pretty exciting i was like and i can get paid oh wait wait how much more is that than what i make holy shit yes (laughs) please sign me up where do i get started cool and that's that's how that ball got rolling at least okay i'm gonna dig into some of the some of the stuff that you sent me here so going from Pro switch into lifestyle kinkster. How do you how do you negotiate those two roles? Do, do, is there a big difference for you, or is it you know where, where does that come oh. from? Oh, this is still a learning curve that I am on, but I will do my best to answer it for where I'm at now. <laughs> well, let me give you a little bit. Let me expand on that a bit. On top of being a lifestyle kinkster and being a professional switch, I'm also poly. I'm also pansexual. Long story short, I hate choosing between things I like, and I like a lot of things. So what it's really come down to is learning time management around all those things I like. But I find balance mostly with the assistance of my sir. As I said, I'm in a contracted uh, 24-7 power exchange. And he was the one who really urged me to start pursuing these things that I loved and these things that I was enjoying and has been, you know, my best cheerleader throughout all of it. 
And so when it comes time for our renegotiation, when it, this is included in our various protocols, uh, ways to maintain that self-care, to achieve my goals. We set new goals every three months. And that has been my biggest assist, I guess, in managing this. But as on a psychological level, I guess, the difference for me, I think, which was what you were originally getting at before I just started bragging all about my <laughs> sir. <laughs> That'll be an entirely separate podcast that no one will listen to, but that's okay. <laughs> I will listen to it later and masturbate. It'll be fine. <laughs> you can cut that if you need to, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. My blushing, can you feel the blushing through the microphone? Um, well, I can hear it, so yeah. Okay, great. I think that's Bane's popping uh, that I'm hearing. <laughs> How it differs for me. Yeah. It is a very, it's a distinct feeling to remember that as a professional, it is more transactional, but that doesn't mean it has to be lacking in heart, at least for me, because that connective experience with my clients, I, you know, really enjoy addressing people's shame and helping coach them through it. I, you know, kind of pseudo advertise myself as a leather clad, completely unlicensed life coach, you know, <laughs> and violent, completely unlicensed. And please don't take this seriously. Massage therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and so I enjoy having that connection, but at the end of the day, you know, I understand that it is a transactional relationship. Now, that doesn't mean it can't transcend that. It doesn't mean that I care any less. It's just becomes a very easy way to delineate time management. <laughs> and so when we are in this space, this is who we are. Yeah, and when we are sense. out of this space, we are different people. And when I am out of that space, I become my lifestyle me because I do do that 24 seven and it's, and really, you know, when I'm not being mischief Morningstar, I am demure and well-behaved and nothing that I would be ever in sessions ever. Demure, well-behaved. Demure, well-behaved. I obedient. Wow. On sassy. Your nose is going to grow so much. <laughs> I have my fingers crossed right behind the microphone. Don't worry. So it's not actually a lie. It's a prank. It's fine. So I'm going to go back a little bit. Shame coaching. Can you uh, mm -hmm. expand a little on that? I can, I can certainly try. So this is something that I've been exploring. And again, I am still very much in a learning phase. I am under a mentorship, you know. But that doesn't mean I can't bring my own lifelong observations into this. And so a lot of people who have come to me seeking my help in that way are doing so because I believe, and from what I've been told, that I am very open. I am very honest about what I do. I would put it on the billboard outside my house if I didn't think that would result in a line of people <laughs> trying to not pay me for what I do. But <laughs> I, I think that I can help others work through that too it, just by relating my own experiences and speaking with them honestly and as person to person you know i have this aloof uh not aloof but this this theatrical persona that comes through i think on the internet but in real life i'm always talking to people even if it's in session if it's outside of session i'm talking to them as me because i actually don't know any other way and yeah. so i'm i feel and have observed that there is still a lot of shame to work through in the kink, um, it, in people who are kinky, in people who grew up in, you know, various times and zones. And a lot of it stems from that externalized shame and the externalized social scripts. And if I'm getting deeply personal here for a moment, I am a person who's on the spectrum, as it were. I have ADHD. And so, I mean, granted, both of those give me immense superpowers. And so I'm in no way, shape, or form complaining. But 
I can rhinestone for days. Uh, <laughs> but what they didn't give me right off the bat were social still skills, uh, speaking like that. <laughs> social skills, social skills. Um, and they, but they did give me this kind of unawareness of shame and social scripts too. So I grew up completely oblivious to the fact that I was obnoxiously fabulous in a conservative small town in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> and after a lot of reflection, a lot of reading, a lot of research into why I was having a hard time keeping friends, why I couldn't keep a job for too long, you know, what what were my barriers? Because my enthusiasm, my drive worth, they were fucking there. But something was holding me back. And it was my interpersonal skills. And so through all that research about how to speak within social scripts, but how to be shamelessly you, and it's all very contradictory, but it's all <laughs> moving you in the same direction. I just have a lot of, I don't know, insight to offer. I can't give any of my clients the assurance that this worked for me and it'll work for you. I'm not Tony Robbins. Um, <laughs> but I can share my experiences and my perspectives, which, like everyone's perspectives, are unique and hope that just by being me, even if it's, again, a little obnoxiously in the back of a lift at 2 a.m., <laughs> when someone tries to argue with me. <laughs> but being kind and compassionate at the same time with people from a variety of different walks of life and different perspectives, I, I guess empathy and NVC are kind of at that core. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see. I had so many other places I was going to go here. Yeah, let's... Uh... Okay. This is... Sorry, I'm just throwing some personal knowledge out there. You're kind of a geek about, about 80s business books. <laughs> I knew this conversation was coming back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yes, I am. So, so yeah, tell me about that. What, what started that whole mess? Alec Baldwin. It's all Alec Baldwin's <laughs> fault. It usually is. <laughs> no, um, so what started that and along those same lines were... My initial research into social scripts were business oriented because I wanted to learn how to succeed. I don't come from the wealthiest background, but or the most knowledgeable about money, but I wanted to learn because I knew that was what was keeping me back. And so I started, well, 30 Rock, the TV show 30 Rock, and this is where Alec Baldwin comes in. <laughs> I don't know how well this show has aged, but I know at the time I was watching it. And I guess the irreverent allusion to like 80s yuppie culture, and this is something that I have been obsessed with, and just that, that kind of parody of business. And so it kind of started with that show, coupled with the fact that I just love American Psycho, and I hope that this is not alienating everybody who's ever talked to me by discussing it on a podcast right off the bat. But <laughs> I guess for me, the 80s just was, in particular, yuppie culture, in particular, the Reagan administration, was the beginning of where we're at right now. And it had many yeah. trickle-down effects, as it turns out, and most of them were freaking awful. But <laughs> that's where that began. But I knew that to, I guess, excel and set myself on the level of businessmen, in particular, who grew up at male-identified business people who grew up during that time and are, you know, currently the CEOs and the VPs of all of these companies that I had to know where they were coming from. I had to know what they learned when they learned it. Yeah. Because the only way to, I believe the only way to work within or even take down a system is from inside it and from understanding it. Not that I'm looking to take down capitalism. No, not at all. No. <laughs> but to understand their business speak. So reading things like how to win friends and influence people, reading Freakonomics, reading these business books, and yes, looking into 80s 
business power moves and they're which is just good mind fuckery fun and i yes i do use these in sessions yeah don't tell everyone that's listening (laughs) (laughs) but somewhere in there i'm I'm guessing a suit fetish came along too Oh, there's that blush again. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, do I love menswear. Oh, do I love menswear. This is how I ended up a drag king. But yes, I do absolutely have a suit fetish, especially for a well cut, and I could go on for days. <laughs> but my favorites from those moves, though, are things like, you know, well, everyone knows the Trump handshake, but there's other versions of it, which I have demonstrated for you. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to introduce themselves to me later, I will use it if they request it (laughs) consensually. Uh, Putting on sunglasses when somebody's not looking. Changing the color of your pocket square (laughs) when somebody's not looking. Intentionally forgetting people's names, which I do not do because I can't remember your name to begin with, so I am so sorry. (laughs) It was Evan Broxson, right? Yeah, something like that. So that... That kind of weird, whimsical psychology of power exchange has translated very well throughout everything, but at its core now, business is currently very more a much more personable place than it was when it was fueled by cocaine and pinstripes. Yeah. So <laughs> I concur. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that somebody who is uh, quite short and tattooed and uh, female identified and all these things couldn't learn a lesson or two from how those men got into power in the first place yeah no you're in something like that right i don't even think of them that way okay necessarily i try not to think of anybody in terms of my enemy unless you are literally directly individually my enemy in which case (laughs) good luck getting off that train but (laughs) i hope we have uh you know laser beams and like i want it to be very comic booky if that's the case nemesis applications pending Lots but of big pows and, and, and bangs and zaps right exactly bam pow uh i guess thinking about people in terms of good or bad or enemies or not enemies or friends i mean i do have my friends but you know that mentality inside me becomes very leads to a very unempathetic and uncompassionate path in my mind. And so I try to change my habit of thinking a little bit. This is getting very esoteric. Like I try to change the <laughs> habit that of the way that I think about others because that leaves me open to that compassion and that leaves me open to understanding their stories. Now, that's not to say that I don't think things that they're doing are not, I mean, they're totally fucked up. But that doesn't mean I can't understand how they got there in the first place and try to combat it when I meet it in individuals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit on you. Uh, Switch gears. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't even intentional. So, this is a contentious uh, subject between between us. Cigars. What do you like and why do you like it? You know what I like. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you would ask. Um, you know me. I love the Deadwood Tobacco Company. Deadwood Tobacco Company's Yummy Bitches. I am a huge fucking fan because they are sweet, like sugar, okay. like me. And <laughs> no, I I actually do. I I smoke a pipe traditionally. That's been what I smoked even before I got into scars. And so the Deadwoods have the pipe tobacco um, style inside, and then traditionally sweetened wrappers. Right. Um, they have the sugar scald calavera like women on them, uh, which are these beautiful, beautiful like. Sorry, that's the wrapper and the ring. The paper ring <laughs> is also called a wrapper. Is that tr- is that accurate? No, no, no. It, no, it's it. not. I didn't think so. the label. Thank you. Yeah, I was just gonna let you go there. See, see where you went with it. Just gonna let me stumble around. <laughs> oh, you just wait till I. Oh man, I'm just gonna tape five Swisher sweets together and show up to the next oh, cigar God. social. I'm gonna wrap a Texas Lancero 
label label around it. I wasn't going to tell you this, but now that we're on the podcast, I'm telling you. Because you're already poking fun at me. Revenge is mine. You are my enemy now, Ivar. <laughs> no. Uh, but these are some of my favorites. <laughs> um, I, I have since expanded my appreciation beyond that. I love my father's. I love the Olivia's. I, I'm still learning all of the lingo. But I tend to be partial toward Maduro rappers in particular. Yeah, well, once you start with Maduro's, you just can't look a look a natural in the face anymore. I got started on Connecticut's actually, because I was mostly smoking them at breakfast time. Mm, yeah, and so they went well with the coffee. Yeah, at least the bitter with the bitter, it works. Yeah, exactly. The bitter of the coffee actually helps cut some of the bitter from that. And then you know I would just roll it in sugar before smoking it. In <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend to everybody listening. Yeah, just roll it in, in some powdered sugar, dip it in simple <laughs> syrup. You, you got it, right? Exactly. You can even flavor them. Try soaking rosemary in your simple before rolling your cigar. <laughs> yeah, see, you joke about that, and you really can. You, you can infuse your, your cigars with just about anything you want. This is how some mad scientist shit gets started. You yeah. know that. Yeah. It's okay. I have a lab coat. I have several pairs of rubber gloves for absolutely no reason. Sure. No Wink. Reason. Gotcha. Wink. I'll move my pop filter so you can hear my eyelid close. <laughs> and on that note, so we're going to move. move well, I'm, I'm going to shift a little bit again. What was the, just out of everything, what was your best kink scene ever? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. This is this is uh, this is deeply personal and sexy and exciting. Oh. Okay, the best one you're okay. willing to share. How's that? No, no, no. There are so many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, do I talk about? I, I, I'm just so excited. Okay, so I will say one of my favorites on a personal level. Um, were was this like probably like my deepest, I guess subspace experience or close to it or at least the first one that pops up out of my mind was one for my sir's birthday which i will spare the details entirely but um there was some like it was like involved a chair in the middle of the room there was a lot of sensory deprivation and i am a i love breath play i love it so much <laughs> And there was, I think we used everything in the arsenal. And so that one really pops out in my mind. Now I have had funnier ones, I but that was probably one of the most connective early experiences that I remember. Now on the professional level, one time I got a, <laughs> one time, and this was a brand new thing for me and it was so exciting to get to do this, was the first ball busting experience I ever had. <laughs> I was terrified. I was more nervous than he was. <laughs> because I was like, you're really gonna, no, you don't, you're not just gonna, you want me to do this. Uh, oh, oh, okay. You know I'm a martial artist, right? Like that my, I will pull my kick a little bit so I don't hurt you into the hospital. But <gasps> I was like, okay, cool. And I like had to psycho myself up on the other side of like the wall just so I was like ready to go. And then I did it and it was awesome. It was fun. <laughs> they had a great time. I don't think I even went as hard as they wanted me to. But then there was also electric and I guess it was the first time in my head that it clicked. I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> I just electrocuted somebody's testicles and I got paid for it. Fuck yeah. I have I have found my place in the world. Nice. So that was pretty awesome. And it was less so about the actual action. I can take or leave that. It's just like kicking anything else. I think it was the psychological aspect of this is a thing that's forbidden. Yeah. I've been told throughout my entire life that I cannot do this to men. And they get really, really upset when you do in fourth grade and you go, you get in a lot of trouble if you do that in flag football. 
I've heard from a friend. <laughs> yeah, they never tell you later on in life you can get, get in to pay, you, pay your big bucks for doing that. Yeah. Probably and the it's, same ones. And it's true. And you actually – exactly. <laughs> this is that shame coaching we're talking about. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just very um, eye-opening, I guess, as to how contradictory but whimsical but fun but terrifying this little world can be. Yeah. So you I, weren't expecting that one, were you? No, 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 no. no that was, that was great. Um, I, I have I, so many too. Like I, I all of my notes here. I, I, I'm I'm kind of kind of kind of discombobulated right now. Okay, ball busting seems to be in your arsenal. I've. <laughs> it, it's it's a rare um it's a rare opportunity, but yeah. I mean I can kick things. I'm good at kicking. So what else? What 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 are your other big go tos? Um, as far as play goes, stuff in my arsenal, sometimes literally. So yes, impact. My speaking of arsenals, my favorite impact toy to date, because this really just highlights how we don't need to take everything so seriously. It's called play for a reason. That whole deal. <laughs> I really love using Nerf guns. I love using Nerf guns in session. I love using Nerf guns in scenes. Sometimes they're suction cups on the end, and you're saran wrapped. Sometimes you're tied up, and I hit various parts of your body with them. I just got one as a tip, by the way, for one of my sessions. I get tips in Nerf guns. Yes, you're right. I do have the best job ever. <laughs> Has a revolver component so now i can play russian roulette too nice. which turns out is just as terrifying well maybe not just as terrifying but it's still damn terrifying even with a little nerf dart in there because the anticipation is just yeah. exciting so rambling about my nerf guns but besides impact i'm very into i guess elemental style toppings i like electric and have bought oh so many amazing like aircraft grade aluminum toys because they're highly conductive painting glitter nail polish on people in like letters mm -hmm. i'm always looking to upgrade this electrical equipment because i have just had a blast learning it and ooh, i started i taught myself and plan to expand to many classes in the future with professionals but some fire topping over the course of the pandemic as well and so that's kind of that elemental region yeah. that i enjoy i oh i feel like i'm missing oh wrestling <laughs> wrestling yeah. so are we talking greco roman or are we talking you know wwe uh uh, yeah, basically MMA. No, <laughs> no elbows. Um, it's kind of a very loose, non-professional jujitsu-based style, I guess. So a little bit Greco-Roman. It's I've learned a lot of my wrestling from self-defense. My martial arts style is not one of these yet, but I have taken grappling classes i've learned self-defense classes that involve getting out of various like throws and holds i've learned some throws and holds and so kind of wrapping that collective knowledge together it is one of those things too that you forget to translate speaking of personal life to professional life i forget that when i'm on the mat in the dungeon i can pull people's hair <laughs> i can slap them right across their dirty slut faces and, you know, watch them just roll around for joy. Yeah. I can also have people wear, you know, luchador masks because I love them and I have a devil one because I love my branding too. And I like to do all the things I love all the time. And so that has become an inadvertent and fun specialty for mine that has not gotten nearly enough practice <laughs> Because, again, I started my job in January of 2020. <laughs> yeah, let's just start right in the middle of the apocalypse. Yeah, you know, a little three months before. It's all good. I've been flying by the seat of my pants since with 
you know, little distance guidance, but it's <laughs> given me time to hone some skills, learn yeah. a few more knots. I do a little too many knots. This is true. And my camping and tarps have never been so secure. <laughs> that, that reminds me. So we were doing cleanup at a, at a dungeon that I, I, I used to be on the board with in, in Oklahoma after a tornado. And the, mm -hmm. uh, we had to move a refrigerator out of the, the yard, so they they put it in a, in a harness, and we, we moved it that way. And it sat on, on the side of the road in, in Shibari for like two days before somebody picked it up. <laughs> How many people stopped to take pictures with it, though? Oh, there's no telling. You should, did, was there a sign that said, this is not an art installation? It is just, just take it. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it is the most transferable skill, I think. Yeah. It, it and can I, go everywhere. It really can. And I was terrible at it before. Like, I don't even buy shoes with shoelaces. Like, I never tie knots. <laughs> now oh, I can I tie, like, four. I'm just kidding. More than that, I think. Maybe. Don't test me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you didn't know there was going to be a test after this? <laughs> um, so I'm going to, going back to wrestling, i got a goofy question for you. Mm-hmm. You I have a dead serious answer. If you were a pro wrestler, what would your, what would your entrance music be? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for asking me this question. It's what I've always <laughs> wanted. Probably Troublemaker by Weezer, just because it would be, it would alienate the entire audience, but accurately <laughs> introduce me <laughs> as okay, the then. whiny geek that, geek that is just going to like blow their minds and relieve it like a rock star. Because in my head, and only in my head, that's who I am, <laughs> is probably Weezer. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's actually true. I'm just coming off the cuff here. You've kind of backed me into a tight spot. Um, my, my uh, the Batman done. theme? Oh, wait. Ooh, the 1989 Batman theme. Wow, the 89 Batman? Specifically, yes. And I would descend from the rafters. Yeah. On a grappling hook. I can kind of see that. And then I'd strip it off, and underneath I'd be Catwoman. <laughs> And then I'd strip that off, and I'd be me and naked and confused as to how I got there in the first place, just like this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, that tends to happen. Speaking of Batman, I, I saw this random tweet this morning. It was a story from uh, the first Batman from TV. Adam West? Adam West, thank you. Wow. How yeah, did I oh, Adam West. He was talking about he and the guy that, that played Riddler getting kicked out of an orgy in, in Hollywood one time because they didn't break character. <laughs> yeah, just sit with that for a moment. <laughs> I can't even pretend to be surprised. I've, I've had the honor of listening to Adam West speak like in real life live at comic cons and such and watch so many interviews with him and that does not conflict with anything i've ever heard <laughs> think when i went to comic con he was talking about um oh it was a panel discussing whether or not the joker should have a girlfriend and there were phds and the man who helped create the joker and a few other things and they're like adam west and this is paraphrasing this is not an exact quote but Adam West, do you think that Harley Quinn is a good idea? This was in 2009. This was a long time ago. She's undergone a lot of changes, and so has their relationship. But do you think that Harley Quinn is a great idea as a character? Like, should the Joker have a girlfriend? And this is what Adam said. It was, well, I believe that the Joker is a lot like Batman. And Batman is just an island suspended in time and space floating throughout the galaxy, glittering. So I think she's an okay idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and 
you know, that was some life-changing insight for me. <laughs> that I can be as insane as I want to publicly, and I might still get to be Batman. And so I have just run with that sense. There you go. And sometimes, yes, I am Batman. You were asking me about wrestling music, weren't you? And I made it about <laughs> Batman. I can make anything about Batman. <laughs> um, so, okay. Lightning round. I, 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 mm -hmm. I, I like to do this. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw some, some random questions at you. Totally free form, however you want to answer. Leather, latex, or lace? Leather. Why is that? Because it's yummy. Um, <laughs> because it is, it smells good. It's sexy. I was, my first crush was probably Jim Morrison. So leather and Spike from Buffy and Faith from Buffy. And look, there's a lot of leather pants in my like <laughs> early development and sexuality. And so that has really just like cemented itself in there forever. And damn it, there's nothing. There's the others are great. Okay, I actually, sense. by the way, did not realize when I saw the Oregon State Leather Contest that I believe you actually won. Um, that leather fetishists and leather community were different. I have since learned <laughs> the differences. There's crossover, but yeah, it's it, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. So that's my side. That's my aside. Okay. But leather, 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 leather. I love it. Cool. Uh, paintball or blunt swords? <laughs> paintball. Let's get messy and uh, you know, try not to pass out in a motorcycle helmet, but. <laughs> I like the hunting and being hunted and the co-hunting. It's sexy. <laughs> um, okay, here, here's just the tackiest question I can come up with now. Top-tier dessert or an orgasm? Does it count if one causes the other? <laughs> Whenever I orgasm, a pie is born. <laughs> so... It's kind of a chicken or an egg situation. Okay. Then. <laughs> um. Uh, oh. The, oh. Mm. You know, that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Okay. I'm happy with it. <laughs> well, that's that's cool. You said I can answer in any way I want. Oh, absolutely. And that's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I've I've kind of run out of questions at this point. So, what else would you like? You know, people to know you got anything going on, any any promotions to do, just random stuff you want to talk about, anything like that. So back to Batman. No, <laughs> um, things I have going on. Well, Happy Pride, first of all. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. And I am appearing in various shows. As I realize this is a kink podcast, and I am appearing at various events and things throughout this entire month. Most of them are drag and burlesque performances, but I will be at a few parties and hopefully starting to do a few classes and maybe even looking at starting some of my own. Although we'll see. Teaching isn't teaching in a class setting, it would be a new experience for me. So okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular I want to draw attention to here. I'm looking at my Google calendar <laughs> and just stalling otherwise. Vamp. I am available. Oh. Vamp. Just do it. <laughs> Vamping. I am currently fully vaccinated and I am accepting applications for live sessions from people who are also vaccinated. Um, and those do take place at Sub Rosa. I still accept distance sessions. Come see me at a show. If you meet me out in public, say hi. Just be polite. Um, <laughs> Complimenting me on my mohawk is a great way to endear yourself to me. <laughs> Handing me a Nerf gun and saying it's yours or a bottle of Lagavulin is an even better way to introduce yourself to me. Have you just Please become do Ron so. Swanson? I was born Ron Swanson, I think. <laughs> like, that character blew my mind when I first saw that show. I was like, oh. That's like, I have the same, I have I have a creation, uh, making problem. Um if mm. I can make it, and even if I'm staring at a store and I need it right then, and I could make that, I know I could make that. Yeah. Why would I buy it? I could make that out of 
some tin foil and an old jackrabbit's foot, but <laughs> and it'll take me five times as long and cost me three times as much. But you know what? Damn it, it's the principle of the thing. <laughs> I also have a great mustache. I just shave it regularly. I figure. So, how do people find you? Website, oh. social media. I am all over the place. I do have a centralized website, though, and that is my favorite place for people to find me. It is themistressmorningstar.com, and that is one word, themistressmorningstar.com. You can also find me on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter and FetLife and all over the place. I am Morningstar PDX on most of them, or Mischief Morningstar. Sadly, um, the Zuck won't allow my first my fake first name to be listed as a real first name and yeah. that's just algorithms yay but for some reason mixtress is okay so okay i am i'm all over the place find me but going to my website i have all that information there too cool parting thoughts be excellent to each other just and be excellent to each other people and party on dudes <laughs> and party on dudes <laughs> okay, fuck it cool. dude let's go bowling how many movies can I quote about being chill? It was really great talking. Thanks for having me, Ivar. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for coming on. This has been fun. Yes, I'm going to go um, roll some brown Leather paper Cigars and Kink is a podcast like produced, directed, in your honor. hosted, etc. Oh, occasionally ignored plan. by yeah, you're welcome. me, Ivar B. I'm gonna if you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us. You can so send tips via Cash App at okay, hashtag that green dwarf. You can also support us on our Redbubble page. Also, follow follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Ivar Broxen. Thanks for listening. Leather Cigars and Kink is copyright me, Ivar B, 2021. All rights reserved. Blah, blah, blah. All that jazz. Thanks. <laughs>